0: Our reading this morning comes from Exodus, what well, it starts at Exodus uh, chapter 12 verse 33 and then I'll be reading through to chapter 13 and verse 16. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste. For they said, we shall, be all, we shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks on their shoulders. The people of Israel had also done as Moses told them, for they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewellery and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favour, in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they let them have what they asked. Thus, they plundered the Egyptians. And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. A mixed multitude also went up with them, and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough that they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. The time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years on that very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by the people of Israel throughout their generations. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is the statute of the Passover, No foreigner shall eat of it, but every slave that is bought for money may eat of it after you have circumcised him. No foreigner or hired worker may eat of it. It shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside the house, and you shall not break any of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. If a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised people shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. So all the people of Israel did just as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that very day, the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. The Lord said to Moses, consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. Then Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand the Lord brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. Today, in the month of Abib, you are going out. And when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, you shall keep this service in this month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days, no leavened bread shall be seen with you, and no leaven shall be seen with you in all your territory. You shall tell your sons on that day it is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt and it shall be to you as a sign on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth for with a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt you shall therefore keep this statute at its appointed time from year to year. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites as he swore to you and your fathers and shall give it to you, you shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. And when in time to come your son asks you, What does this mean? You shall say to him, By a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt from the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of animals. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all the males that first open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. It shall be as a mark on your hand, or frontlets between your eyes, for by a strong hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt.
1: Morning, everyone. My name is Jared. I'm Pastor here. Uh, Please do join me as we pray before we begin heavenly father we just thank you for your grace to us thank you for how you have revealed yourself to us in your word and in the lord jesus christ help us now lord as we study your word to come to know you more to to see the greatness of your character uh, to see the the way in which you have redeemed your people given given uh, a new identity and how you uh you continue to to be the focus of our lives lord help us with all of these things, uh, to glorify Jesus as we do them. In your name, amen. I want us to cast our minds back to 1594. Now, that might seem like a bit weird, but just bear with me. Um, Queen Elizabeth is on the throne, not the one who just passed away, but the first one um, in, in England. and um, And in Scotland, which was a separate country from England at that time, King James was on the throne, but the King James Version wasn't out yet. That was that was still about seventeen years away. Uh, There's a guy kicking around writing plays called Bill Shake something Shakespeare. There we go. Um, And he's he's um, he's writing plays, acting in them, and so on. Um, You know, maybe maybe we would have read them. Well, maybe only a third of us, because only a third of us can read. Um, And uh, and then if if you wanted to hear a Shakespeare play, you probably went to it if you could rub enough pennies together to get there. Um, we have no idea what electricity, electro. What we we've just got no no clue what electricity is. Um, yeah, there's 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 there's. If you want to see after dark, you light a candle or a lantern, or you go to sleep. Like <laughs> those are your options. If you want to talk to someone from a distance, you talk really loudly. You yell. Um, there there are no telephones. There's no internet. There's no Wi-Fi. There's no plane, There's no. There's no even Ethernet. There's no, there's no planes. There's no trains. There's no automobiles. There's not not even bicycles. Uh, if you want, if you want to go somewhere, you walk. Or maybe if you're pretty well off, you ride a horse. Pianos haven't been invented yet, but if you're lucky, you might see a harpsichord kicking around. Um, there's uh, there's there's no COVID-19, which is a win, but. There's also no toilet paper for us to fight over, so <laughs> depending which way you look at it, that's a win or a loss, or both. Um, <laughs> uh, the flush toilet has just been invented, but no one knows about it, and we won't, we won't have access to it for hundreds of years. Um, there's a dunny out the back. <laughs> uh, it's 60 years before the golden age of pirates these uh these guys would swashbuckle and swindle and steal and they gave us lots of good stories to write about um and and then it's around 200 years before the first fleet arrived in australia it's 320 years before the start of the first world war 351 years before the end of the second world war and 375 years before man will set foot on the moon allegedly Suffice it to say, <laughs> 1594 was a long time ago. A long time. So much has happened. You know how long ago that was? 430 years. 430 years. That's a long time, isn't it? You th- Think of all the stuff that's happened, the massive changes that have happened in our world. And we get a bit of a perspective on how long 430 years really is. It's a long time. And... That time is the exact same amount of time that the people of Israel were slaves in Egypt, 430 years. It's a long time, a very long time, and they were slaves for that time. Oppressed, uh, dealt with harshly by the Egyptians. Imagine being tied up in slavery from 1594 to today. It's generational. Your grandparents, your great-grandparents... And then you'd be thinking, your great-grandchildren is just all we've ever known. You start to think of ourselves as slaves, that our identity is as slaves. That's all we are. And then we'd think that, that, that there's no hope. You know, if there was a promise or anything of us coming out of here, we would think, maybe we've been forgotten about. Maybe, maybe that's, that's just all, all a pipe dream rather than a real promise. Well, now we start to get an idea Of what it was like for the people of Israel at that time. They'd been in slavery under bitter slavery for generations. God had promised to them that he was going to take them to the promised land and this uh, seems like a massive uh, diversion from that. They they, they knew that they'd been promised this land flowing with milk and honey and, and all of those wonderful things, but they found themselves under oppression under the superpower of the day, thinking, this is the end. This is, this, is where, this is where we were born. This is where we're going to die. This is, this is our life. We are slaves. It starts to creep into how they think about themselves. So, w- when we see this 430 years, we really get an idea of what it's like for them. Slavery is all they know. Has God forgotten about us? I want us to think through some of those questions today and think about how they relate to them but also think about how they relate to us. So, we've got like application weaved into this sermon. So, be thinking about how does this relate to me as a Christian now? Uh, because there's lots of ways in which it does. Israel may have been thinking, has he forgotten about us? Has God forgotten about us? Uh, you know, we, we, we're still here. We, we, we've seen some plagues, yes, but even every time there's a plague, Pharaoh says, no, I'm not letting you go. You're going to stay here. Just seems like we're destined for slavery always uh have you ever organized a meeting and then forgotten the meeting it's happened to me um have you ever organized a meeting and the other person's forgotten the meeting it's also happened to me <laughs> <laughs> happened to me this week uh, i'm not going to tell you who did it <laughs> but it's no worries it's not, 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 not a big deal um I, it was funny because i was like ah oh, I was thinking about putting this in my sermon, and then I, and then and then it happened, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm going to put it in." <laughs> uh, it happens to all of us, and that's all good. Um, we're a gracious community where we don't hold anything against anyone. Anyway, uh, put that aside for a moment. <laughs> um, uh, the why am I telling you this? All right, yes, has. Ha- we, we we forget things, don't we? It happens all the time. We we you know we arrange something. I forgot that I was getting my car serviced, and then I had to like rush there a couple, or maybe a year ago now. <laughs> How did I remember that? I don't know. But that's not the point. We we forget things, and and we, it can be very small things. It can be meetings. It can be uh, it can be something that we need to do, uh, like cutting the grass or whatever it happens to be. Lots of different things we can forget, and. It's, it's, it's only natural in our human nature, our sinful human nature, to start to think maybe God's the same. You know, may, maybe He also forgets things like we do. Like if, if, if I arranged a meeting with you, um, let's say Wade and I were going to meet at 9 a.m. It wasn't Wade. just <laughs> but Let's say we were going to meet at 9. And then, you know, it got to 9.15 and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, it's fine. You know, no worries. 9.30, yeah, fine. 11.45 a.m. I'm starting to think maybe Wade's not coming. <laughs> 430 years, I think Wade's definitely not coming. <laughs> the people of Israel, they, they, they would have been thinking, is God really going to get us out of here? You know, he he's said, I will rescue you. I will bring you out of here. Uh, he's made these promises again and again and again. And they must be thinking, is he really going to do it? Now this passage today gives us an emphatic yes. If you see that uh, chapter 13 there that we read, it's like by a strong and mighty arm the Lord brought them out again and again and again. It mentions His strong and mighty arm. It's very clear that Yahweh, the God who is the God over everything, He is bringing His plan to pass. Uh, there's 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 no doubt that He is He is doing what He said he will do. You notice there that they journey in verse 37, the people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth. They went from in Egypt to out of Egypt. That's that's awesome. Like God had promised that and and then he delivered on that. You also notice that at the end of that chapter in verse uh, 50, uh, 51, sorry, on that very day, the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. It's stated, it's a fact, it's what yahweh did he brought the people out of egypt and not only did he bring them out he made the egyptians the slave owners pay them now i'm not an expert on slavery but but if if you imagine having slaves let's say you had a bunch of slaves and and your slaves were being freed would you pay the slaves as they go no that seems a bit backwards you would expect the payment to come to you wouldn't you You'd think you owned the slaves, you would get paid for them. Here, Yahweh, because he's God, because he's in control and do whatever he wants, he's like, I'm gonna set you free. And what's more than that, I'm gonna get the Egyptians to give you their stuff. That's that's just how he rolls. He, he can do whatever he wants. He does it, he provides for his people. And so, yes, Yahweh is faithful to his word. He is faithful to rescue his people. As he said he would, he did. And we can look at that and find great confidence in Him and in what He's done for us. So, he, he's, he, if we're wondering for ourselves today, has God forgotten about me? You know, has has He forgotten that he's, he's gonna help me or save me or whatever? We can look to the people of Israel and see great encouragement in how God is always faithful. Because when we see that God has been faithful again and again and again, we see that we can trust him to be faithful going forward you see the same god who was faithful to rescue his people out of israel uh, sorry out of egypt his people israel out of egypt after 430 years of slavery is the same god who's faithful to rescue us out of our slavery and to bring us to where he has for us you see he hasn't forgotten about us god makes promises and he makes covenants that's that's kind of the technical term for it he makes these binding promises and He's made a covenant uh, with us, and and we know that when He makes promises, He keeps them. He never lies. He always tells the truth. And He made promises to rescue them. He makes promises to rescue all of us who put our trust in Jesus. He's not slow. He's being patient. You see, Yahweh is isn't isn't trying to uh, isn't trying to wake up. No, he is uh, alert. He knows exactly what's going on. He's planned all of this from before time began. And he is waiting for the opportune time in his timing to return and gather us in. You see, he, he has a plan. The Bible tells us that he's patient, uh, not wanting any to perish. He wants people to come to salvation now because when, 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 it's, when he comes back, it's too late. People need to come to Jesus now. And so, we, we, we want to we be reminding ourselves that, no, He hasn't forgotten about us. He is faithful. Yahweh is faithful, and He's true to His word. Where's my identity? For the people of Israel, they would have been thinking, it's got to be in being a slave to Egypt, doesn't it? Generations, it's all we've ever known. You know, my great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, was a slave and my great 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 grandson will probably be a slave too it starts to get into the way that you think about yourself you think this is who we are like we're we're slaves to egypt but the reality is there's actually an identity for them that supersedes all other identities and it's not found in being a slave to egypt it's being found in being in belonging to being owned by yahweh himself who liberated them to be his people. You see, they're thinking, they're looking at their immediate circumstances. We're slaves to Egypt being oppressed and they think that's my identity. No, their identity is in Yahweh. Yahweh who planned that they would go into slavery and Yahweh who rescued them out of that slavery. He's where they find their identity. Not in their slavery, not not in the hardship as well. Because remember, their, their slavery was a bitter time of hardship. They they were looking at these circumstances thinking, well, this is, this is who we are. This is what we get, all the rest of it. But no, their identity is found not in all of that, but in the one who liberates them from it, Yahweh. So for us, when we ask the question, where do I find my identity, uh, is it... Uh, the house I live in, the clothes I wear, the car I drive, the footy team I support. Or maybe even we start to think it's in our failures or in our sin, which is our slavery. We're not slaves to Egypt, but Jesus tells us that aside from him, we are slaves to sin. And so we can start to wonder, where's my identity? Is my identity in me continually messing up and falling short? Or is my identity found in Christ? Because the reality is, it will ultimately be one of those two. Either we're going to be finding our identity in our sin, in our slavery to sin, or we'll be finding our our identity in our slavery to Christ, who rescues us from that slavery to sin. It's one of those two. And we need to ask ourselves, have I received the liberation that God offers to me? Have I received that and taken it and accepted that gift of being rescued? Or am I still trying to live in slavery to sin? Am I still ruled and owned by the worst taskmaster ever, sin? Or am I ruled and owned by the most wonderful taskmaster ever, Yahweh? The good and gracious, glorious God in whom we find true freedom identity. You know, in the New Testament, it picks up the idea of being in Christ so many times. It's just there again and again and again and again. If you read the Bible, you'll see that being in Christ is absolutely paramount because if we're not in Christ, we're in our sin and and we're, we're destined for judgment. Our only hope is to be found in Christ Jesus. And so where's our identity? Well, we need it to be in christ if it's still in our sin then now is the time to turn to jesus and trust him if our identity is in christ then when we feel discouraged and we feel like oh are my continual failures the thing that defines me no jesus who rescued me from it he's the one who defines me israel may be thinking to themselves well how does this impact my life going forward well you see here that that israel are to remember they're to have a feast a feast of unleavened bread, Uh, and they're to do that every year, as they remember. And, And what's more than that, they're given specific instructions regarding what to do with the firstborn. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's interesting. We just spoke about the firstborn last week. Yes, when Yahweh came over in judgment, passed over the firstborn of Israel, didn't judge them, but upon Egypt fell the judgment on the firstborn. With the blood of the lamb setting apart the israelites such that they didn't receive that that judgment so israel are to remember the salvation that yahweh has given them by this these these things with the the firstborn which is to redeem the sons and to sacrifice the animals and the firstborn belongs to yahweh i think that's very clear here he's saying that the firstborn is his and you can you can understand why can't you because without Him graciously saving their firstborn, they would have been under exactly the same judgment as Egypt. Without Yahweh covering them with the blood of the Lamb, the firstborn in Israel would have died too. And so, when they look to Yahweh, and then when there's a new birth, which is a joyful thing, isn't it? A new birth, the firstborn. They they then see, that, that they are to remember Yahweh. Every time there's a firstborn, if it's an animal, they sacrifice it. Or if it's a donkey, they redeem it. Or if they don't wanna redeem it, they sacrifice it. If it's, a, if it's a human, you do not sacrifice humans ever. <laughs> Just make that clear, you redeem them. And now you might think, well, what does redeem mean? Well, it's paying the price for them. And so how do you do that? Sacrifice an animal. So every time there's a firstborn, you sacrifice an animal. That's, that's, that's what happens. Um, if, it, if, it's a, if it's a firstborn son, it's in the place of that son. If it's the animal, you sacrifice the animal itself, or in the case of a donkey, another animal, a lamb, if you want to. And so why, is this, why, why, why would they do this? Why would they be told to do this? It's because it reminds them every single time that when there's a firstborn, that the firstborn belongs to Yahweh. It reminds them of what Yahweh did for them in rescuing them from judgment. You see, they deserve the same judgment as Egypt, but Yahweh set them apart, protected them by the blood of the Lamb, and so they didn't receive that judgment. So it stands to reason then that the firstborn belongs to Yahweh. He he has already uh, paid uh, the price in giving them the blood of the Lamb to cover them, and they belong to him. And this reminds the people of Israel again and again and again that they have been saved by Yahweh. Do you notice that in that chapter 13, there's a number of times where it's like when your son asks you, what's this all about? What does this mean? You know, when in generations to come, when someone asks you, what is this all about? You're going to tell them this. Yahweh is ultimate and he has absolute confidence in where he's taking them, which we'll get to in a moment. So the firstborn sacrificed to Yahweh firstborn sons redeemed for Yahweh bought with the blood of an animal so they are to remember this it is to to shape their way of life if you imagine being in Israel back in that time having been rescued from Egypt they could have built the hospital next to the abattoir because they would have had a firstborn son be born and then it's off time to go and kill an animal uh, to redeem the firstborn son because it was to remind them that the firstborn belongs to Yahweh so us, when we ask the question, how does this impact our lives going forward? I mean, you know, you don't need to go and kill an animal every time you have a firstborn son. Just, yeah, that's, that, that system has been done away with. We too, like Israel, are to remember. To remember that without Yahweh's intervention, we too would be destined for death and without hope. That's, that's, that's where we would be destined. But there's great and awesome news that there is the ultimate firstborn son, the ultimate firstborn son who is himself the sacrifice, who redeems us, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is the firstborn eternal. He is is the eternally begotten son of God. He's described in in the New Testament as the firstborn. He is all-powerful. He alone brings about our redemption. He paid the price on the cross. He's the perfect sacrifice. He's paid with his own blood to set us free. And so he's not a sacrifice that that needs to be repeated. He's a once-for-all sacrifice for all who believe in him. And so we, too, remember, don't we? And what God has given us to remember are things like the ordinary means of grace, which is a fancy way of talking about the gracious things God has given us, Uh, reading the Word, prayer, sacraments, baptism, the Lord's Supper. These things are ways in which we remember what God has done for us in setting us apart and saving us by the blood of Jesus Christ. Israel, after this, may have been thinking, well, where, where do we go from here? You know, we've, we've been in slavery for 430 years. Okay, Yahweh hasn't forgotten about us. He defines our identity. This is impacting our lives going forward by remembering. But where are we going? You know, we've, we've, we've been in slavery for 430 years. Where to next? You know, it's it, it's a pretty interesting thing to think about. If you've, if you've been living in one place for 430 years and now you're out of that place, you've got to know where you're going to. And so the, the plan is still the same plan that God gave them all that time ago. They're still on the way to the promised land, the land of Canaan. Uh, last week we saw that the celebrations of Passover were given and instructed before the Passover even happened. You know, because Yahweh knows he's going to bring about stuff exactly according to his word. And once again, Yahweh speaks with certainty regarding the future. He will bring the people of Israel into the land that he's promised them. He says, when you enter the land of Canaan, as he swore to you. Not if you enter the land of Canaan. When you will be going there. It's not... It's not a, uh, oh, you know, I've kind of tried to make these things work. The 430 years of slavery thing, whoops. um, And, you know, trying to shuffle it. No, he is in control of all things. He rules over this entire universe and he is bringing them to the promised land. It may not have looked how Israel would have liked. It may not have been in the timeline Israel would have liked, but it was exactly according to God's plan and exactly according to his word. And he's keeping his word and his promise. So, when we ask, well, where to from here? You know, we we know that God has not forgotten about us. We know that our identity is found in Him and in Him alone. We know that our lives are to be marked by this, by remembering the salvation He's worked for us. The question of where do we go from here? The answer is the ultimate promised land, the eternal new creation, face-to-face with God, in perfect relationship with him because Yahweh has made a covenant and Yahweh is faithful to his promises. He's given us our identity as people he's rescued in Jesus Christ because he's redeemed us by paying the price for our sin as the ultimate firstborn son. Yahweh will bring this to pass because he's always true to his word. Let's take him at his word believing what he said, trusting in his faithfulness, seeing our identity as his redeemed people, not looking around us here and now for our identity, but looking to Jesus, believing in him, trusting in him, trusting in the redemption that he alone brings and realizing that our ultimate home is not here and now, but in the life to come. You see a lot of people, um, if you watch any real estate shows, anyone like those escape to the country, anybody? Yeah, nice, thanks Josh, thanks Monica. Yeah, <laughs> um, not just me. Uh, so, you see people talk about their forever home. Have you heard that? Yeah, people are like, my forever home will have this, you know, it'll have a nice kitchen, it'll have a you know, double car garage blah, 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 blah. and it's like, all of these things and it's like, but you're gonna die. Like, <laughs> y- it's not your forever home, is it? Like, you know, it might be your home, like, at best like you know what 60 years like or maybe if you inherited it from your parents 100 years but it's not your forever home it's it's gonna perish it's gonna fade the walls are gonna break down you know stuff's gonna burn you know it's all just gonna perish and fade if you and if you don't believe me well imagine how many houses do we see from five thousand years ago (laughs) time will take its toll and forever um to us we, we, we often can settle for less, can't we? We can think, hey, this is my forever home. This is where I'm going to set up for life. But no, we need to be focusing and living not for the here and now, but for the there and then. For when we're with Jesus face to face. Don't store up treasure on earth. It's pointless. It's all just going to perish and fade. Store up treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy. And thieves cannot break in and steal. As Jesus himself says, the promised land to come is where we're headed. Uh, If you have ever been on a plane, you may know something about delays uh, in in, in plays. Um, I was once uh, on holiday with my family and our, our plane was delayed by a week. It was fine for me because school went back and I missed a week of upper primary school. So I played at the time playing video games and swimming in the pool. It was great. It wasn't so easy for my brother who was trying to study from a distance, but it was great for me. Anyway, we weren't where we were supposed to be. If you imagine being told, oh, hey, hey, you guys, we're all going flying somewhere. On Friday night, we're going to go fly. And then we get to the airport and they tell us, hey, could you just wait here? And then it turns out they want us to wait for 430 years. And the the, the people who run the airport hold us in bitter slavery. (laughs) And then... (laughs) <laughs> but, but our destination is that the airport is not our destination. It's not where we're headed. The place that we're headed is where we get to once we go on the plane and then get to, to wherever it is we're going. We can, we can think like the people of Israel, that the airport is our destination, that Egypt is our destination, that the here and now is our destination. It is not the destination. Being with God, face to face, with Yahweh, Jesus, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, In the new creation forever, that's our destination. And the only way we get there is through Jesus Christ. That's the only way. He's the only way. And so we look at all of this stuff. We go, our identity is not found in the here and now, but the there and then. Yahweh has not forgotten about us. He remembers us. He's keeping his promises. He's acted to redeem us in Jesus Christ, and he will bring us there in his time. Let's pray. Lord we thank you that you are faithful that you are always faithful to your promises and Lord we we confess that so often we can doubt you and wonder if you are uh, Lord we can we can think that you're uh, holding out on us or or not uh, helping us or or that you've forgotten about us and Lord for that we repent we turn away from all of that kind of thinking and we turn to you and we trust that you are faithful the same faithful God who planned uh, all things uh, from eternity past that you would Take your people Israel into Egypt and that you would take them out of Egypt, out of that slavery, um, taking them as your treasured possession. Thank you, Lord, that you've done that for us too in Jesus Christ, that you've covered us with the blood of the lamb. You've bought us with the price of his blood, that you've rescued us, that you've made us new. You've given us a new identity, made us into a new creation such that, um, for instance, I'm still Jared, but I'm a new Jared in Christ. And that's true for each and every one of us, that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus for all who believe. And Lord, thank you that we know where we're going, that you've revealed that to us. Lord, help us to look to your faithfulness to enable us to be faithful while we're here, living for you as we look forward to your return. And the joy and the beauty and the awesome reality that one day will be with you. And that will be forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen.